We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a like a free case of craft beer well as a listener to our show we'd like to thank you for listening and with the help of our friends at beer52.com we can do just that just go to beer52.com forward slash vision that's beer the number 52.com forward slash vision to claim a free case beer 52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club they search out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members There is a whole world of craft beer out there. You don't have to drink the same thing over and over again. You don't have to order beer not knowing what you like. Just get on board with discovering great craft beer with Beer52.com. Every month focuses on a new country or theme, and if you sign up now, you'll get the chance to try a case of the best of British craft beers as part of their Summer Bangers selection, all for free. Featuring the country's best craft brewers, such as Northern Monk, Ilkley, Red Willow, and Thornbridge, all very delicious, you'll be able to read all about the beers and learn more about how they are made in a 100-page ferment magazine included in the box. As a listener to our show, you can try your first case for free. Just pay £2.95 postage. That's it. Eight incredible craft beers delivered to you, Ferment Magazine, and a snack. It's a no-brainer. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause, cancel any time. Beer 52 has a five-star rating on Trustpilot, so it's easy to see that their members love the service. Do it now. Try some craft beer. Just visit www.beer52.com forward slash vision and claim your free case today. Try it. Beer52.com. It is the way to learn more about great beers around the world. Offer valid in the UK only. 
Arsenal win the first preseason match of the summer 8-0, and now it is time to draw massive conclusions based on that performance that will lead us to believe the treble is on. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. I mean, I think if there's anything we can agree on from the first preseason match against Boreham Wood, it's that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is going to score 50 goals in the Premier League, and Arsenal are going to coast to a treble. Now, admittedly, it'll be a Europa League-based treble, but treble nonetheless. And here to discuss our treble-winning uh, possibilities, or should I say uh, probabilities, uh, Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Paul. Certainties. Woo-hoo. Yeah, certainties. And uh, Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive P-A-F-C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. We look forward to the day when Tim will be back, and he certainly will be back. Uh, but between his duties at the World Cup and some life stuff having come back from the World duties. Cup. duties. Duties, <laughs> yep. When he's done pooping, he'll be back on the podcast. Uh, but until then, no. Uh, we'll announce some things we're doing for the new season as the season draws closer. But for now, it is time to talk Boreham Wood. And I will start with a question that has nothing to do with Boreham Wood. Paul, yeah. what do you make of the rumors that Gazidis might be off to AC Milan? Yeah, I've no di- uh, no idea really. I guess Ars blog is quite uh, well positioned on this stuff, um, so uh, he seems to think it's mostly got nothing to it, but might have something to it. I would think that Ivan is enjoying the press he's getting. If you compare where he was at a year ago or two years ago with the Arsenal supporters, and now he's suddenly the man in demand. So. You know, if if I were him with a uh, marketing bent or I had an agent or an agent mentality, I'd be quite happy with this floating around out there. Um, but I got to say, I mean, he's already at the perfect job in football as a football exec. If I were a football uh, CEO type, can't imagine a club I'd prefer to be at in a more perfect situation for him. Power wise, there could not be his his master plan is to coming to fruition uh with you know in terms of stan cranky he he looks like the man who was right a year or two years ago and should have been listened to more fully but maybe stan didn't feel he was in a position to do that then um you know it's the honeymoon period all his selections are in place and he hasn't yet screwed up because his first season hasn't started yet as ceo with a master plan Mm mm-hmm um, everything's coming up roses. I don't know why you'd suddenly go to Milan. He doesn't speak any Italian. And I don't know to what purpose, and it doesn't sound like they'd pay him more. Uh, they'd possibly pay him less. So uh, I think it's mostly bollocks that Ivan's enjoying, and I'm sure why wouldn't he? Yeah, that's so. fair. Uh, so let me ask you this. I mean, how big a problem would it be if he left it? And I'm going to stick with you because we only have you for a little bit here, but do you think yeah. that it would be a major issue if if he left? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, given that his fingerprints are all over everything. I mean, if he were going to leave, uh, at least you know, we used to talk about uh, leaving an infrastructure behind uh, arson, which we had failed to do as a club. Well, at least he's basically done that now, except you kind of got a uh, uh, to really meld the team together. they got to have worked together on real projects for a while, and now that's just starting. It would be a shame right now um, to take away the man who's put the plan together because mm-hmm. um, he kind he should hopefully know what it takes to make it work. Um, but you've got to have a couple of seasons together as a, a backroom team uh, for it all to make sense and for 
people understand the power structure and you pull him out of there and then suddenly there'll be all sorts of positioning and jostling and people getting defensive and protecting their territories and somebody new comes in and they're kind of all at their door trying to make sure they don't lose any of their territories. So it's important to keep the uh, hierarchy and structure in place and to have a, a planned transition in the future in X years time. But X years time could be eight or 10 years if he's doing a good job. So, yeah, I think it would be a problem. I think it would be very bad news for us. Yeah, I mean, there, there's n nothing like winning a power struggle after many years and finally being front and center and, and being able to, you know, build a club in your image and put this team together that you want to work with and really be able to bask in, in the newfound power and um, attention and just fucking off to Milan. I mean, it's, it, it is a bizarre thing be to crazy. do. I, I think be crazy. There, I, yeah. I mean, is there a better club in the world to want to manage? And I don't mean footballistically, is there a better, a bigger club than, a, but I mean, you know, go through the candidates like city would be, uh, you'd be at the mercy of the politics there. Chelsea, even more so United, um, could be a clusterfuck, um, depending on things are going well or not. Oh, look, it's uh, somebody didn't like my opinion. Um, so, <laughs> Premier League, shock. That, league, whatever that notification is, it must go off a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, Ivan. Um, so, fuck off. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, the Premier League is the best league. I can't think of a better club to be connected with. I can't see anything that makes more sense, really, yeah. than staying. Yeah, I, I can only assume that you are blowing up for reasons not related to the fact that you're recording a podcast right now. But look, I I, I get your point that it is a, a good job. And if you believe it's a good job and you believe he's now in the perfect time to really revel in the job, it certainly raises the question of whether there's a challenge working with the Cronkies. And if working with the Cronkies is, is not something that he's particularly fond of and he takes his first chance to jump ship and go work with someone he prefers um, you know, at a club that arguably probably couldn't pay him the same amount, doesn't have the same prestige, is going to be a, probably a more challenging rebuilding process, although you could say historically AC Milan are, are as big as Arsenal, if not bigger. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is worrying. So, Clive, I, I don't really necessarily need your opinion on whether you think it will happen, but how concerning would it be to you if Gazidis left at this point in the in the project? Yeah, very concerning. I think um, I've always been a supporter of how, he's, how he operates. He's been very patient i think it was almost a a power struggle he didn't really he couldn't win he just had to outweight the key person and he outweighted him and did some rebuilding in the background and now he's built something that we all recognize and are getting used to and very excited about and um but he, the job's not finished you're nowhere near finished right um this group of people just been put together have just been you know laying foundations we haven't seen them tested we haven't seen the group lose a game. We haven't suffered any adversity with them. So we don't know their true caliber yet. So you've got to go through that. You know, it's not just about appointing people. It's about nurturing people, coaching people, mentoring people, building people, helping them manage adversity. And then you you layer the organization appropriately with, with better people. And that process only just started. Another thing, I, I also think the next step for him is the boardroom. I've said it before a couple of months back. I think the next phase is, okay, build the team, build the people around the team during the transfer window. Support the manager, support the new people you've appointed. 
But then look upstairs and look at the boardroom, look at the ages of the people in the boardroom. And that boardroom needs reshaping. It needs some diversity, it needs a different demographic, it needs a different age demographic. And there's only one person to do it, right? So I think he's not remotely done yet. And if he was to leave, I'd be incredibly disappointed because the job is only 33% done. You know, but he has got to, a clear runway to really lift his club to a different stratosphere if he so chooses. Would you see it as a reflection? Carriages to leave, wouldn't it, Clive? Well, well, I mean, let's not not throw that word around yet, just only because I think, you know, and and I am the first to bombast, obviously, but I I think if he leaves, um, putting personal possibilities aside, you know, perhaps he just loves the food in Milan or... He, he's very close with the, the group that's taking over there, although that is a, probably a short-term situation. I think you do have to raise the, the issue of whether it would reflect poorly on his relationship with the Cronkies or his interest on, on working under them. And so you know, my hope is that he will stay, and it's not even because I, I think he's a miracle worker or a messiah, but I think to the point you guys have both made, we're in the beginning of a process that he is really the architect of, and it would be disruptive for him to go now and certainly raise questions about um, the ownership group, and then also there's the possibility that we could botch the replacement. The possibility that he could try to poach Raul or Sven uh, over to Milan. I, you know, I don't know the extent to which that would be permitted or possible. But there's the question of how they, how well they would work with the the new uh, CEO. So I don't think any of us want to see that happen, and hopefully it won't. Uh, let's move on to the football side of things, though, for the moment because some of that happened. In fact, we, we won our first preseason game 8-0. I am informed that we played behind closed doors against Crawley Town and won 9-0. Uh, I'm just doing some math. Hang on. Carry the one project out. By the time we play City, I believe we will beat them about, what? what is that, 13-14-0. So we are on pace for a pretty good season. I, I think it is clear that the one thing you want to do from the very first preseason game is draw as many conclusions as possible, firm conclusions that you do not waver from. So, Paul, I'll start with you. I am the man for that. I, I, that's why I'm starting with you, uh, and also because you have to leave. But So I want you to tell me which will be the bigger number, goals scored by Aubameyang or goals conceded as a result of a Socrates error. Wow. Or I, I could just say center-back pairing error. <laughs> good, good question. <laughs> we're doing great at the back. Yeah. We're doing great at the yeah, back. No, we're, we're perfect back there. I mean, to be fair, we have conceded a precise sum total of zero goals to Bournemouth and Crawley Town. But uh, all, all kidding aside, I mean, is, is there a, a takeaway from the Bournemouth game that, that really stands out for you? I mean, I know that the quality of the opposition means that you, sh- you should draw very few conclusions. Maybe we, we can start with this. Formation-wise, do you believe that that 4-3-3 that we saw that's sort of reminiscent of how we set up at PSG is potentially an indication of, of what he'd like to do going forward? No. Um, I, I think he's going to go 4-2-3-1 um, sooner rather than later. The big question is where he puts Ramsey, I guess. What do you base that on, uh, out of curiosity? Just gut uh, feeling? His history. Um, I know everybody says, oh, at PSG played 4-3-3, but his preference at PSG, as I understood it from reading various knowledgeable parties... Was Try not to do that off. if you can avoid it, by the way. Yeah. Re- reading knowledgeable um, parties, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I won't do it again. Um, is that he started with four two three one, but because of the personnel and because of ne- Neymar, but mainly because of the strength of some of the characters in the midfield there who had say with the ownership and the execs and management, he was kind of his hand was forced somewhat into playing with the four three three because that's what their 
their midfield power brokers wanted, so he switched back to 4-3-3. So I'm assuming he'll want to go 4-2-3-1 when he can. Um, It does raise the question of where does Ramsey play? Um, You still feel confident he's staying? No. Uh, I feel it's more likely than not, but it's a big issue. Um, I guess the thing, the the main reason I think he's staying is it's not like there's a lot of talk of him going somewhere that I've seen. Uh, I haven't followed every rumor out there, but it's not like, you know, X, Y or Z are hot on his trail. It's not like Sanchez with City. You know, who's that big club that's right now chasing him, knowing that trying to create a bigger gap between us and them. So it seems like the real decision is. Does he re-sign a new contract or does he wait us out for another year and use his leverage and still be open to maybe a new contract or, or, or be in the, the strong position of making his own choices next year, which is a worry for the club because it creates uncertainty. I mean, it's got to be pretty attractive to become the club captain, a bit like Ivan's situation. You don't very often get to be captain of a top club. Where would you get that elsewhere? Um, he seems like a settled family guy, although he wants to save rhinos and, and play in Spain and all that stuff from the past. You, d- you don't really see much of him having itchy fi- feet these days. I think he's just negotiating hard based on the kind of money Ozil earned that he gets a significantly, significantly improved deal before the end of the transfer window. So I'm guessing that's what it's about, but it could be that we don't get a contract contract signed and we're stuck in this kind of limbo where we then have to but we couldn't choose we couldn't sell him unless there's somebody seriously going for him and willing to pay the big bucks and i don't see that at the moment but of course it creates this whole confusion about what's the best structure for the team especially with uh, ozo coming back and what kind of where will he be at mentally and so uh, emery's got to have quite a few head scratching moments so i i I guess what I would say about the the striker partnership is no reason not to play those two guys together because it's certainly something we're going to play sometimes during the year. But I'm guessing that we're going to go into a four-two-three-one and we'll need a proper wide man potentially, or at least using Mkhitaryan and Ozil. Um, but I'm still puzzled. I'm still no clearer on what our midfield two or three setup might be. Yeah, I, I'm not totally sure. I mean, Clive, do you have any? Greater insight into into that, I would imagine, probably so. So, um, I mean, do, well, let, let, let me slightly change the question. He started with Lacazette up front, looks sort of like he was the number nine, and Aubameyang was nominally a wide forward, but he really made those out-to-in runs and, and drifted centrally with Mkhitaryan coming in the second half. I mean, to you, again, very early first game, but do you think that's an indication that he would prefer to start with Aubameyang and Lacazette um, as, as part of his first team and that he would presumably give Lacazette the, the lone striker role? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm veering towards that. Um, I've, cha- I've had a change of views, actually. When we signed Aubameyang, I was much like you, yeah, it's got to be centre forward. What are we doing? Put him on the left wing. That's ridiculous. And then I saw him play. And um, he's obviously a free spirit. He obviously likes to be in isolation situations where he's one-on-one with people where he can run into big spaces 
And in the Premiership, there is no space down the centre of the pitch. And, um, and it suits Lacazette's strengths. Lacazette is like a smaller version of Giroud. He's a very good connecting player. He's very strong, low centre of gravity, bends his legs and really punches into people with his body power. And he twists and turns and keeps the ball moving really, really well. He sort of, he tracks back and presses a bit like Firmino. He's the closest to Firmino that I've seen. And I, and I think he is the number one central player. And maybe as a byproduct from the World Cup, you look at the best players in the World Cup and, and the space is really out wide. You don't want to be down the middle. People are playing three centuries, three centre mids. You don't want your star killer striker being kicked to death down the middle of the pitch. You need him free. You need him stretching people. You need him connecting people. And the way I would do it would definitely have... Uh, Bamiyang on the left, I'd have Lacazette down the middle, and I'd have Mikatarian from the right, and I'd have Bamiyang not playing left wing per se, but just fixing the fullback and the right centre back, and not standing on the fullback, but standing in between and holding people back. And his speed will just give us the opportunity to have overloads in other areas. So that's so kind of like a two up front. Yeah, like, like a lopsided two up front, right? So what we don't want, we want Lacazette to be like, to be a lazy wide man. We don't want him in the corner flag making slide tackles on, on the way back. So that's where Mkhitaryan comes in. And then the left midfielder would have to be somebody strong, somebody that's defensively can handle that area. And so I, I think So who that's... misses out then? Ozil, Ramsey or Shaka? Hey, you know I don't care about that, mate. You well, know, I, someone, I, I, I mean, I, if, if you're starting Aubameyang, Lacazette and Mkhitaryan, the only takeaway I have from that is that one of, I mean, unless you're going to go Torreira, Ramsey, and Ozil, and leave Shaka out, I mean, you're you're probably leaving Ozil and Ramsey out in that lineup. Well, and that's and that's absolutely fine by me. I don't really care. I I, I happen to think that um, Mkhitaryan is going to be a major player for us. I, I really do. I think we're underestimating him. I think he's going to really push through. I think Ozil's going to have to really step up because his pace is under threat. Ramsey's got to define his role. It depending again, that's dependent on how the major sets up. Ramsey hasn't signed a contract, so let's see what happens there. Um, Torreira, you'd like to think there's a level of investment there, so in, and he seemed to suit the deepest role, but it would have concerned me if he played higher up on the left-hand side. Um, Shaka again, who's got a five-year contract in his back pocket, you'd like to think there's an investment with him. Um, that's happened while the major's been here, so that looks interesting. So. It's up to those players, that set of players. You can add Maitland Niles and Iwobi to that group and El Nenny. I think they've got to they've got to fight. And I think if there's gonna be a victim, I think it could be El Nenny, funny enough. I think the new signing we've made looks like a faster El Nenny, so I don't see I don't see the point of that duplication. But um I do like the idea of a Bamiyang being a free spirit from the left hand side. I think if we we don't want him kicked, we don't want him crushed. We want him causing problems in wide areas, in big spaces. And I think for the Premiership, that could be the best way to utilize him. I mean, Paul, you want to you want to feed back on that? I mean, do you yeah do you think those three can possibly start up front, given the the other players that have to find a place in the team? Yeah, I certainly do, and I certainly think we'll see it plenty. Uh, but I think he'll also need to have a conventional 4-2-3-1 um, uh, set up and he's going to have to use Obama Yang through the center. Uh, but in either scenario, you're going to create a situation where 
um, even with that, you're going to have to leave players out. I mean, it won't just be El Nenny who's well. He yeah, he's not in the he's not in the reckoning for a starting place anyway. So yeah, I mean, uh, any lineup you come up with, there's going to be some drastic decisions going to be made, whether it's Mikatarian or Ozil or Ramsey or Chaka, or two of them are going to miss out. So I know Clive says he doesn't care who it is. Uh, but I think that's dodging the question that I also don't have an answer to either. I mean, I, I I agree everybody's on the chopping block, but I mean, those are huge questions. My instinct? Uh, when, when I, yeah. Sorry, Elliot, when I say I don't care who it is, I think Arsenal fans, we have a natural inclination to want to accommodate the big names in the team. And I just don't share that inclination. I, I just sure, don't. But, but I guess the question, Clive, is who? If you... You know, if I just you, think. I just think. If Clive's I, picking the team, who's in? I'd I'd rather wait and see how they perform. You know, I think you, you would make a phenomenal politician. <laughs> I think I think Terrell, I think Terrell's going to play. He's got he's he knows his job and he looks he looks decent. I am a Shaka fan, but he's got work. He's got to prove it. I think, and I actually think you know the, the player that's under the most threat. I I think is a is Erzul. I think at the moment. Um, you know, from There's a, a reason he's coming back quick from holiday. Yeah, he's better get back. Right? <laughs> I think he's on. I think he's under threat. But then he he'll, he'll adapt. He'll adapt to the environment. He's a he's a fantastic athlete, fantastic footballer. And he's going to put somebody under pressure, and that's what we've wanted, isn't it? We haven't we haven't wanted the crash and the comfort zone. We've wanted people fighting for that shirt if they want to stay at the club. And if they don't want to stay at the club, they don't want to sign contracts, and we've got to sort something out. But I really don't mind. I think I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the formation that he ends up settling with. I'm looking forward to seeing the style he ends up settling with. Um, the two little friendlies we've had, Aubameyang and Lacazette, have started, and they've scored lots of goals. They seem to have a fantastic relationship. I don't see any manager that's going to sit one of them on the bench. It just not make sense. Um, when you're trying to establish yourself, and there's that many goals in those two players, I think they're going to they're going to play, and then we have a group of players that are fighting for a shirt, depending on the formation and the style of playing, and they're going to have to show something, and and that to me is the exciting thing for the whole season. I can't wait to see how they um, push through because performance will lift up accordingly. Yeah. But, so I go ahead. Go ahead. Bob. Um, I just I'm about to head off in a little bit here, but I got to say this about Boreham Wood as a Boreham Wood connoisseur, which we all are. That was like a really good game. I know it's only Boreham Wood. Um, but you compare it to other Boreham Woods where you like you don't have much of a squad, it's the kids, it's blah, blah, blah. Um, those were two really excellent 11s we managed to put out there in those two halves. And um, I think there's actually quite a bit you can take from it. Uh, uh, I'd love to bend your ear with what it might be, except for I won't be able to stick around for it. But I thought as Boreham Woods go, that was a really good game. It, amazingly everybody played well well maybe not that amazingly when you consider the opposition but quite meaningful in terms of how the teams were set up and how they played and plenty to talk about because normally those first two or three pre-seasons there's all these weird positionings going on and you don't know if it has significance or not but pretty much everybody played in a meaningful position which is not normally the situation i must say i thought it was a a cracker of a boreham wood well, what's nice, too, is also you, you look at things like the goals Aubameyang scored, and you'd be like, oh, well, it's against terrible opposition. But look at the three goals. One is a curler from outside the box that would have gone in against City. The other is yep. a penalty that y- you cannot take a penalty better than that. So, yep. you know, it's nice to see that. And then the other one 
while, yes, okay, you could say it's down to the quality of the opposition not tracking the run, it still shows where Aubameyang is special, the pace, the instinct, the running to get to the back stick and head it down and in. I think there are three sure, good Sure, and goals. a great run by Maitland-Niles, and yep. yeah, he might have pulled that off against a, a City. But it was a pretty deep—Boreham Wood were pretty decently set up, and we were meaningfully set up. Um, so I must say, for a preseason game, it was unusually satisfying and— uh, you could pick through the bones and get some some real stuff out of it instead of some weird Singapore eleven and all of our players playing in weird positions and and the line wells it was only about fitness. Sure, I'm happy to throw a lot of it out, but I, I definitely yeah. think there are things you can see in these games, even against poor opposition, that gives you some cause for for being optimistic or concerned. I mean, we might get to that a little bit after you're gone, Paul. But um, yeah. you know, just just to put my final thoughts on this this um, lineup prognostication. I really do think, and Clive, your point is well taken. You have to earn your place, but it is a business, unfortunately. And I have a feeling if your 300,000 pound a week Ozil isn't in the lineup, or maybe you're about to be 200,000 pound a week Ramsey is in the lineup, someone's going to have a word in Emery's ear and say, uh, those players have to play. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to get away with just n- not using Ozil, uh, even if that's for the best for the team, unfortunately. My guess is Mkhitaryan and Lacazette will do a lot of rotating. So some days Mkhitaryan will start and Aubameyang will be center forward, and some days Lacazette will start and, and Aubameyang will sort of be that lopsided wide forward like we saw against Boreham Wood. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes that way. I'll finish with one last thing about this. There's no news on it. There's no rumor. This is purely gut. It wouldn't surprise me if we cut bait with Shaka. I think Torreira is the future at that position. I think that Ramsey can probably play alongside him. And if we're giving Ramsey a bunch of money, look, depth is important and having a squad is important. But if we can get real money for Shaka, it wouldn't shock me if he went. I'm not saying I want that to happen. It just wouldn't shock me. So I think, do we have to say goodbye to you, Paul? We do. Okay, well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Paul's on Twitter, uh, pausing in my pants, and we will hopefully speak to you very soon after our next uh, major news, ins or outs, or, or a, a preseason result, and I hope, uh, I hope it's soon. Bye, Clive. Bye, Elliot. Bye, Paul. Bye. See you later, mate. Okay, so, Clive, um, one of the things we absolutely should do is touch on uh, youngsters, and I know that that is a passion of yours as someone who uh, coaches young players and, and observes young talent keenly, so... I think there are, there are a lot of interesting performances to get to here. One that's gotten a lot of requests on the old Twitter for us to discuss is Emil Smith-Rowe. Is that, am I saying his name right? Emil? Emil? Yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe. Emil yeah. Smith-Rowe. Do you have any thoughts on his performance and maybe also just a broader sense of what kind of player he is and how close he is to being a factor in the first team? Yeah, he's, um, he's, been, a, he's been well-known, obviously, for a while. And when England went to the Under-17 World Cup last year, he was sort of like 12th or 13th man. He didn't quite start every game, but he had some a couple of starts and and he, he came on in most games and had 25 minutes or so. And uh, he looked like he used to spend a lot of time playing wide. And uh, I know people have all said it, but it's really true. He has got a similar sort of a style of play to Kevin De Bruyne, someone that can play wide, but also can play 10, can play deeper and then definitely drive with the ball. But it's definitely been an explosion since um, since he come back after the World Cup with England, and he's really developed straight through the eighteens into the twenty threes, FA Youth Cup team, star in that team, and he is really a driving, running midfielder with huge amounts of confidence and belief. He's got a great set piece. He's very two footed. He can he can receive the ball all different ways. He sort of plays to the Arsenal rhythm. 
He's got a level of urgency about him. And yeah, uh, he is, he could be one of the brightest prospects we've had from, from, for many a year. And I say that with, I say that with a level of hesitation because we've all seen many bright prospects, but his, his, his explosion in the last sort of 12 months has been really, really significant. So it'd be interesting to see how he does at the international level, whether they um, elevate him. I'm sure he would have been in the European under-19 squad that's playing right now in Finland for England. But a number of Arsenal players obviously going to Singapore, so have been requested to be left out, which I think is much better for their development to go with the first team. So, yeah, I, you know, I, amongst many, he's not a secret to um, avid watchers. He's not a secret to anybody. But I've really got high hopes for him because I just love the way he plays. I like his tenaciousness. I just like his drive. I like his technique. His, his technique of set piece is almost un-English. He's very interesting and he's got some lovely creative finishes. He's got corners under pressure in the last third with, with assists. Elliot, mate, he's top good. player. All right. Top I like player. that. Look, I mean, he's a player that wasn't really on the radar last season. And it's, it's really tough because this is the hard part. I remember watching players like uh, J. Emmanuel Thomas dominate preseason matches against lesser opposition. And for someone like J. Emmanuel Thomas, that lower tier of competition was just something that he could dominate physically and from a talent standpoint. But he didn't have either the application or the technique or the talent or some combination of them to have that translate to the top level. And so, you know, while Smith Rowe looked fantastic to me in this game, I don't want to extrapolate too much from that. But based on what you said, it's certainly worth getting excited about. You know, I... I debated whether we should touch on Maitland Niles. I don't think we need to because I imagine we'll be talking about him a lot this season and we've talked about him a lot already. Yeah. I I almost don't think you can class him in the sort of young um the you know the young unknown talent uh camp anymore because he is becoming a known quantity for us and I think he's someone who will play a decent amount this season. Uh yeah. another player though who there's obviously been a lot of hype around at times due to some uh, flashing some some talent in preseason, and then he's gone off on loans, and he's had some injury issues and kind of vanished off the radar. Jeffrey in Adelaide, uh, understand he scored again against Crawley Town behind closed doors today. Do you yep. have any insight in terms of what you think about uh, Rain Adelaide and and what his prospects might be this season? Yeah, he um, also he burst onto the scene a few years back in the Emirates Cup. I was, I always go to those games, and I was I was there. I think it was against um, who's a team um, that De Bruyne went to. Oh, I forgot now a German team. I think it was um, the one with the Volkswagen. Wolfsburg. Volkswagen. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. played against Wolfsburg. Thank you, Elliot. And, yeah, you uh, he got me. Was, he you was got fantastic. me like two thirds of the way there. <laughs> 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 he had all the syllables right. <laughs> and yeah, he was he was very good, and we all got excited, and we all thought it was a sure thing. And um, he sort of dropped off the radar, and he, he seemed to um, just levelled out physically. You spoke about you spoke about Jay Emmanuel Thomas earlier on. Sometimes you get these players that are very big earlier on, and suddenly when people catch them up, they hit a plateau and disappear. And that's what happened to Jay Emmanuel Thomas. And I thought it was going to happen to the Jeff actually. And I think he had a um, a loan period in France last year where he did quite well playing in a sort of a Wobi type role of a couple of years ago from the wide and driving in and, and some of the clips that were that were flashing around Twitter look quite promising but then you see him again pre-season and he's not the only one he just looks physically different he looks like he's bigger he looks leaner he looks more he looks powerful talent was never an issue but he's I felt his movement slowed down like, like he just looked a bit lumbering and laboring 
that seems to have gone. But then I looked at a, a number of the players at the Bournemouth game. You know, you, you can't take too much from that game. But what you can take is um, body language sometimes. You look at the urgency. Obviously, players, you know, were playing 45 minutes. So there was a, a level of urgency. But I, I'm sure I noticed, I noticed how the players look so lean. And I know that we're seeing lots of videos with them running. But they look so lean. I mean, Ramsey Maybe they just never so stop running. Maybe they're literally running yeah. right now. I mean, it's it's ten oh, o'clock at night your time. Maybe they're currently running somewhere. Yeah, you know, players like Ramsey, I've always questioned his fitness and his, you know, over his a sustained period. His amazing. If he hasn't been fit, I'd be scared to see what he looks yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think he could be. He's got. He's a natural athlete, and I think he could be fitter. I've always felt he hasn't looked. He needs to be perfect body shape wise to sustain th- going three days a week. And there's a couple of pictures flying around with a new haircut and, and etc. And he looks absolutely tip top. You know, he looks and so does the Bamyang. They look absolutely. Well, Jack shaped. Wilshire leaves, and suddenly there's no one offering them cigarettes and beer in the in the dressing room. <laughs> they can finally get in a shape, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, players I've questioned physically, or I think need to develop physically to add some dominance in jewels. They're looking incredibly well. And, and that's, that gives me, you know, that, that that's the things I took away from um, the Boreham Wood game, was how the players look, the urgency. Well, rumor has it they went straight to... from Boreham Wood back to the training pitch for, for a second yeah, training exactly. of the day. Um, I mean, l- let's get into the negatives, though, because I really feel like that's the part of the podcast where I excel. So, I mean, did the defending leave you worried at all? I mean, it, again, you don't want to take too many things away from a game of this caliber and def- defending probably more than any part of the pitch really is about partnerships and some experience together. And these players haven't played together very much, but Socrates certainly looked leggy and, uh, you know, Borum would gave him problems and gave us problems defensively. Yeah. Again, Socrates, first time I've really looked at him properly. And yeah, again, he, what we spoke about before, earlier about him being a leadership, the, the talking side of things is interesting. And obviously, He's talking Mavropanos through the game, and Mavropanos, another physical beast that's looking really, really good. I like him a lot. I'm interested to see if Arsenal, what is he going to be number one left centre half? That'd be so interesting at 21, 22. That's that's a big decision. So, if that's the case, then he must be really impressive in training. Um, but again, for someone like, like Socrates, who's 30 years of age, who knows how to do preseason. What you do for someone like that is you pace yourself through preseason. You don't blow up like the kids. You don't. You make sure you get through it without being injured because it's a critical part to your fitness space for the season. So, if you're training twice a day and you got a game on the Saturday, and you're training after the game. He's looking after himself. I would like to think. I'd like to hope. He's making sure that he does this preseason and comes out ready for the first game of the season in about a month's time. So um, I'm not worried. I want to see him a few more times before we completely damn him to the ground, as many people have already done. I, um, I, I like to make more snap judgments than that, but I, I guess I will grudgingly give him <laughs> till maybe the third or fourth preseason game. But fine. I, I, fine. It, you know, I, I, want, I, want, I will admit I've got a worry about that type of centre-half. I'm, I'm looking for what he brings to this team emotionally more than um, from a playing point of view. I think... We lack that sort of Vincent Company type leader that everyone follows at the back. And it's interesting we've added two of them in, in preseason. And that tells you what we're lacking. I think we're silence. I think we lack leadership. I think we lack bravery. 
we lack a level of standards that have been held there that players in the past like Martin Keown used to hold our defenders to and hold our midfielders to. I don't sense that. I sense a team of very good players who play as individuals. And the moment there's some adversity there, we sometimes can fold. So I'm looking for the team to be moulded together and players like him to glue the team by their actions and their words and, and their bravery and their leadership behind their play. So I think I'm not ready to judge the minutiae of their performance when they a non-league centre forward bars him off the ball on the touchline that doesn't mean he's going to be a, that doesn't mean he's going to be a, a bad player for us it just means he got but, moved off the spot could. <laughs> but it, it could it could <laughs> and, I, and I do have a 10% that says to me well you're not quite Rafa Varane but you're what we have at the moment and um, there's also a role for you to play of course I'd like Varane but it's not going to happen for me that's the worry you know I think the only real worry for me is I think defending and I've said this before is so much about system and training and coaching. Obviously, some defenders are naturally very, very talented, but you take a pretty good professional defender and you put him in a good system that sets him up for success, and I think most of them can get the job done. The only thing that worries me is we don't have a central defender, not one, who I look at and I go, that's our rock. That's our quality guy. It's been Koscielny. Now, you could argue Koscielny was never at that level, and that was the problem. But I think Koscielny, despite all our defensive deficiencies and some of the things that I think you know we have fairly unfairly pinned on Arson, still excelled and still held it together. Mustafi, Socrates, Mavropanos, Chambers, Holding. All of them, any of them, individually could be okay or could be a train wreck. But there's not one of them I look at and say, that's our star central defender. And as long as he's in there, I think he can pull the rest of the group through. Certainly, I don't feel that way about Mustafi. I think it almost has to be Socrates, and I'm worried it's not. Chambers holding Mavropanos aren't in the point of their career yet with it in, in terms of their experience to be that guy. And so you mentioned a Rafael Varane. You know, you look around some of the teams that have that star center forward, uh, center back, and that's what I think we're missing. We don't have the one guy, Clive, that as long as he's in the group, I feel okay. I feel like the other guys can get it done. You know, whether you say, oh, our pairing is going to be Socrates, uh, Mustafi, or Mustafi and Chambers, you know, none of the groupings you can give me fill me with the kind of confidence that, well, as long as that guy's in there, we're going to be okay. I mean, isn't that really the problem that we don't have our, we don't have our one real quality center back to, to patch it all together? I, I would agree 100%. We, we would we could all have a debate what we think is our top two. I happen to think right now, at a pure guess, that the you know, Panos or Socrates would be our top two based on only a hunch. It'd be a huge step up only, from Mavropanos. I mean, I just look at I look I look at it from a right right centre back, left centre back, and um, in my opinion, we have a number of right centre backs, but we don't have very many left centre backs, and the best left centre back. He's injured, right? So, um, and so it's a choice between Mavropanos and Holding. I don't see Mustafi playing left centre back. I don't see Chambers playing left centre back. So, I think Mavropanos is the one. <laughs> and I better and better. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think, um, and I think um, Socrates again. I guess that he's the one we've invested in. I think um, he is he is the number one right centre half. I think potentially, if I was hmm. to project forward, I think Mustafi could be sold. If that's the case, I think then Chambers goes up the pecking order on the right side. 
and I think we could end up buying a left-sided centre-half if Mustafi gets sold. But um, that's my view. And, all, and players like, I mean, I have, I've learned to hold my views on centre-halves. I mean, I've been a bit scathing on Chambers. So I'm gonna, I've, I've wiped the sheet clean. Because you're you're walking it back now that you know we're stuck with him? <laughs> well, well, you know, my, you know, when there was a when he signed a new contract, Fulham were coming to buy him, and then we timed down to new contract. I mean, I, I actually thought it was a precursor to a loan because Everton wanted to loan him as well. He only had a year and a half on his contract or two years, so if you loan somebody for a year, that means they they come back with one year left, and you're not in a strong position if they do well. So I thought maybe we put a contract on him, put him down for four years. If he comes back from a loan and he's got three years to go then we're in a great position to, you know, get some money for the asset. But it seems as though it's going to be a part of the plans, and that's and that's absolutely fine by me. But um, you're absolutely right. I don't see that star player. But Rafa Varane has been at Madrid since he was 19 years of age. He's just come out of the World Cup as probably the top centre-half in the whole tournament. He's had a few injuries. It can take time to develop yourself to the top, top level. And we have a number of young players, so... It'd be remiss of me not to give him a chance. Him a chance yeah, yeah, well, I got news go. for you. You don't have a choice. <laughs> so yeah, we are going to give them a chance. And I mean, the scary thing, if we sell Mustafi, who I have no love for, I, I don't think that's a secret, is at some point in the season, we're going to be playing Chambers and Holding or Chambers and Mavropanos and Mavropanos and Holding, because at po- some point, Socrates won't be available. And uh, there's going to be a lot of youth getting a chance. So we'll see what happens there. As far as rumors, let's let's do a little rumor mill bit here before we, we wrap up and one of the rumors okay. is check departing uh any any issues with you if that is the case would you prefer to see him stay start the season as the steady hand let leno sort of acclimate and prove that he deserves the role i mean how worried would you be if we go into the season with leno and ospina as our as our two yeah i think we might end up losing i like peter check as an individual as a as a professional i think he's top level I think he gets a lot of unfair criticism from Arsenal fans he's saved us many many times in games when he must be just quite disappointed at the fact that he's got no one helping him in front of him so I, I like him I think he's obviously reached he's reaching the end of his career but if ever he was to, if he was to go back to Chelsea you couldn't begrudge him that I mean he's won in the Champions League he's played over 300 or so games for them he's a complete legend at their club and if they wanted to buy him back and his family would stay in London Fair play to you, mate. Go and go and do your bit there, and, and end up being a Chelsea coach for many, many years to come. If that was to happen. Good luck to him. Ospina, I'm I'm not a fan of Ospina to be honest. So I think there's opportunity for him to go to Boca Juniors. I read, but let's see what happens there. And so really, we're looking at uh, Macy, Martinez, and, and Leno. And Martinez, I, I've always liked, but he's never really had the opportunity to be a consistent at the top level game in England. And he's 25, 26 years of age, so that time is coming now. If Arsenal went into the season with those three goalkeepers, it would feel a little bit risky. But um, you know me, I'm up for I'm up for blowing the whole thing up and changing the whole atmosphere. So if that was the choice, I could live with it. Um, it all depends on Martinez, but I, I'm a bit. I've always been a fan of his. I, I, I think he's a very decent distribution goalkeeper. He's six foot five. He's very dominant. He just needs time on the pitch to really show himself. So, um, it wouldn't upset me if those were our two goalkeepers. Okay, well that that's encouraging. Uh, what about a, a player that we are linked to, and I think it might be spurious, but we should at least touch on it. Andres Gomez 
from Barca. Um, mm. Andre Gomez has been a huge flop there. Came from Valencia. The stats community hates him. Uh, if you're familiar with radar statistics, his radars, I yeah. mean, you need like a magnifying glass to see the part of the radar that's filled in. Um, I mean, well, is there any circumstance good, where you it? see we could? No, it's that that you want to be the opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah, Messi. Messi looks like you know a paint splatter fell on it, and Andre Gomez looks like after someone cleaned it up. So, what uh, what would you say to that link in terms of cre- credibility and in terms of whether you know whether it's something that you would? I'm guessing not, but would would see us do. I don't see a, a place for him at Arsenal. I don't see it. Uh, People are trying to link the fact that Ramsey may go, and that type of player could come in. I don't see any I mean, correlation to vomit. It. <laughs> that would be yeah, terrible. Uh, I don't see any correlation to Ramsey's ability and what he could be once if he stays fit. I don't see that at all. Um, I know that in the system of Barcelona, they play Busquets in that role, and they play two off of him. You know, two eights off of him, and I know he's had success in the past in a in a two. We've got plenty of players who can play if we went four two three one that can play in that too. Adding another one that's got mediocre mediocre skill sets all around. I don't feel it. I little read about it today, and I, I, I even the YouTube's don't look that exciting, right? So um, it's not it's not one for me. I, I think if we were to lose a player like Ramji, I think we'd have to add something that we haven't got, and I. You know, I I heard him on the Askcast last week talk about the number of dribblers that we've lost, and I whole, wholeheartedly agree with that. I think we've lost a number of dribbling players. We need wide players that want to be wide. Uh, we've got young Reese Nelson, but he's young, so we can't rely on him for the season to come off the bench with 20 minutes to go to save us in games. Or we need situations where teams have got deep blocks, so we need to attract players to us and how are we going to do that without a dribbler it's going to bring two or three over to create space for other people so I think the squad misses that type of player that, and then I, I don't see Andre Gomez as a priority whatsoever okay well that's good because I, I sure hope not and I mean obviously if it's one in one out with Ramsey that would be disaster from what I can tell now he is a dribbler at least a little bit of a dribbler not much of one um, but man that that would not look good I guess I mean, do you have any, you know, I mentioned to you that I, I think, again, pure guess out of the clear blue sky, no, no real reason for it, that maybe Shaka could go. Do you have any sort of sneaky suspicions about ins or outs that you want to share before we say goodbye? Uh, I don't think Shaka's going to be an out, for one. I think um, the Ramsey one, I think he's going to stay. I think Arsenal's, Arsenal's open for business, mate. We're, the rumors are going around that we're, that we're serious again and um, off the pitch and Know, the fact that Ozil even coming back from holiday early, this is Mesut Sikno Ozil coming back from well, holiday. Can I stop early, you for a second? Because right? you, you just got me to a topic that I think is really interesting, and I want to get your your thought on it before I forget it. Um, because mm-hmm. I have the, the brain of a of a fruit fly. Um, you know, Mesut Ozil maybe has felt too big for Arsenal at times. I mean, he has a bigger Twitter following than the club does, and or he did yeah. at one point. And you know, he came from Real Madrid, and he was a World Cup winner. Do you think that? The, the humiliation with the German team, the scapegoating that happened to him, and really unfair, and some of it you know, racially motivated and, or ethnically or however you want to say it, motivated. Um, yeah. Do you think that maybe 
I, you know, I hate to say it this way because this sounds really opportunistic at someone's misery, but that it could be the best thing for Ozil at Arsenal that he no longer feels this club is too big for him, that he feels that his stature in the game has taken a hit, that he comes back wanting to show, you know, fuck all y'all, fuck all y'all who think I'm not still one of the best, fuck all y'all who think I'm the reason Germany lost, and that that you know, with a new coach and with competition for places and with the the sort of humiliation that he's endured, the humbling he's endured, that maybe we see a very you know, and I hate to go body language and effort and all that, but that we see a much more motivated Mesodoso than maybe we've seen in the past? Well, everyone else looks motivated, so why? I don't see a reason why he should come in and suddenly not be but motivated. But specific to his condition, too. I mean, what he's gone through. Do you think that helps yeah, him vis-a-vis I, I, I the club? I think so. I think that's the hope of many fans, that he's, he, he potentially will, you know, has lost his um, international career, potentially. It's going to be quite difficult for the coach to pick him again, given the... The atmosphere created by the, the right wing lashed back to the um, incident with the Turkey president. So it's a very difficult environment for him. Um, so internationally, he may not be playing for a while. So Arsenal is his medium. Arsenal is his platform. And if you want to be that player, you've got one place to show it, and that's playing for us. And there's no issue with talent, is there? There's no issue with that. We can question certain certain parts of the application to his and game. he certainly has a strike force to excite him, right? I mean, he's not he's not laying on through balls for Giroud to try to catch up to. No offense, Olivia. I love you, obviously. Congrats and all that. But, I mean, uh, he's laying him on for Aubameyang to blaze on to and Mkhitaryan, who he obviously has a kinship with, and Lacazette, who has the technique. I mean, he, he, you're right. Like, If he's ever going to impress again, he's going to have to do it at Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, he does. And, and people talk about effort and things like that. I, I like to see him add a little bit more authority. Just a bit more authority in his game. Just to say, to own the moment a little bit more. He's a natural sort of deferent character and he defers to others and he likes to give to others. And I think I like to see him show a bit more authority and selfishness to say, I'm the man that's negotiated that 350k and this is why. Right? And I'm going to use this place as my platform. And when he does that, we all have to reshape our thinking about who should be playing and who shouldn't be playing. Because when he turns up, it's it's over for everybody. But those days are not very often. And so if you're the new manager now, you're looking for a level of performance that doesn't happen every six weeks, just happens every week or every other week at the worst. And then we're going to have a, a very good player in our hands. I think the whole club is taking a lift. I think everyone's trying to impress everybody. Everyone's trying to position themselves. I hear people talk about pre-season and say it doesn't matter. For somebody that's been inside the football clubs and had and looked at how they operate, trust me, pre-seasons matter very, very much because that's when hierarchies are set. That's when pecking orders are set. And every single training session, every single run, every single bit of data is being looked at right now to see who's looking after themselves off the pitch, who really wants this. What are, what are your numbers saying? Don't think for one minute that numbers that you read in your stats world are not duplicated on the training pitch because they are. And that's, that hierarchy is being set right now. And I think um, Ozil needs to get back. He needs to get back into that environment because things are moving fast and he needs to establish himself. And that's why it's coming back from holiday. And I want to just uh, add on to something you just said there about preseasons mattering. What I would argue is part of the problem for Arsenal has been preseasons weren't able to matter because players like Alexis and Ozil just weren't part of them for so long that our most important players could not yeah. be integrated. And, and this preseason is such a special opportunity because every player of note is going to have a really good 
lengthy preseason under their belt with the possible exception of Torreira. I don't know when he'll be brought in. It may be late, and it could be a situation, disappointingly, where Torreira is not really part of the first-team squad until into you know mid-September. But I think this preseason has the chance to matter precisely because the, the squad is going to be together, and it's really exciting. And I, I think the, the team is talented. The one thing we are seeing is the teams in that big group of six near the top, they're not fucking around. I mean, United are United. They have all the money in the world. City are getting even stronger, adding players that they didn't even need. Liverpool are going and spending big. They must feel they are close, and they are trying to close that last bit of a gap they feel that they have to get there. To just be in the top four is getting harder, and I think we have the talent to do it. But it's going to be a really important season for us because the the teams that have top four football are really using that leverage. You know, they're not, they're not sitting on their laurels like we, unfortunately, maybe did a little bit. You've got Liverpool, maybe wrongly, maybe wrongly, spending huge sums of money on what they feel are the final pieces of the puzzle. But they are taking that Champions League football and trying to cement their place with it. And, you know, we, that's what we're trying to claw back. So it'll be interesting. Um, I think I'm perfectly happy to leave it there if you are. I, I guess, uh, do you have any other pressing topics you need to get to before we say goodbye? No, great points. I just think for Arsenal to come back, we have to come back with a competitive spirit and edge. And I think if we bring that urgency and competitiveness and layer it on top of our talent, I think we could surprise a few people. But I think that I think the, the, the buys of the two elderly defenders that we're questioning, we're going to really need those guys because if we're going to solidify ourselves, we're going to need that sort of leadership from the back because that's where we were sorely lacking. And I think... I'm looking forward to seeing that unit and that leadership and that competitiveness and seeing where it takes us. And yeah, I can't wait for it all to start. Well said, as always. My friend Clive's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you, my son. Yeah, thanks again to Paul. Hey, by the way, give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Tim. Don't, you know what? He's working really hard. He's doing the best he can. Don't write nasty things about Paul. Maybe about Scott. I don't know. Write about someone. Write about someone else. Write about a competitor. I don't know. You know, just write something something nasty about someone. In any event, uh, we have a lot of exciting new things coming for the upcoming season. We'll tell you a little bit more about that when that gets closer. I hope you're enjoying your summer. It is a bit of a tough time. We don't have a lot of uh, televised preseason football for a while, and the World Cup's over, so I hope you're getting through that okay. I hope your summer's treating you well. We really appreciate you listening, and we will come back and talk to you more after the next major Arsenal event or game, whichever comes first. Cheers. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.